0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale. Of Yon McCool Cool cullen cool dear draw the sorrows grow on your wail From giants right down to fairies of the drooping and solitary. And also are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the book fireside, the marrow fireside. Kings and queens, fact and heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Ee Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 207 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have another rave one of the pre-tales of the cattle raid of Cooley, the great epic of Ulster, the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology. This is the story of Nera. This is Nera's adventure. But before we get down to that, a very big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your first episode, you're more than welcome to listen to this. Uh, some of the aspects of this story are a bit contextual, but like mostly, like I like to approach most of these episodes, I like people to be able to come in blind if they want to, And But for it also to be rewarding to those who have been with us on the journey of Fireside. So if you do enjoy this episode, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, uh, over 206 episodes ago to the very beginning of this podcast and see what we've been building up to on the journey thus far. And if you are a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. There are various ways you can support this podcast. Number one, at the moment, you can buy tickets to my show. I'm doing a work in progress of a new piece called A Bard is a Failed Poet about the the bardic and poetic culture and history in, and tradition in Ireland that I'm doing as a piece uh, paired with another show called The Leadpipe Pigeon Brigade. And we are doing the Seen and Heard Festival at Smock Alley, on the 21st and 22nd of February at 6.45pm. Tickets are available in the bio below. Anyone who's a fan of Fireside would be a fan of a Bartersfeld poet. There's a huge amount of the myth and the folklore, but just more about the tradition behind it. And I'll be reading pieces from my book, Garden Sea, as well, and giving some context towards them, and just trying to evolve the book into a more live format and i'm excited to to try things out again that's why i'm delighted to be doing seen and heard again which is where i first started um performing my own work and uh, but i really feel like this will be using the platform well because i do want to see if different things work so it could be great, could be bad. I think it'll I think it could be quite good though and I think particularly any listeners of this podcast who happen to be in Dublin at that time, uh, it would be great to have familiar faces in there, it would be great to get feedback on the piece and see what the piece could grow into. So that's a bard as a failed poet, 21st and 22nd of February in Smock Alley Theatre at the Scene and Heard Festival at 6:45 p.m. Tickets once again are available in the bio below. And speaking of Garden Sea, you can also buy my book, Garden Sea, my poetry book, my neo myth of Home, that is available in paperback from the Headstuff website or in Kindle version from Headstuff, uh, from... Amazon um, we can ship the paperback all around the world thank you so much to those who continue to buy the book uh, and if you want to support the podcast in a more direct way you can of course join headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for fireside but for all of the podcasts on the HeadStuff podcast network and with none of them take your fancy why don't you just give it a share on social media or share this to your stories you can follow me at firesidebard on Instagram. Or you can email me at thefiresidebart at gmail.com if you're not on social media and you want to get in touch and say hello. So the story for this week, apologize again, this episode... For those who listen week to week, this episode is coming out a couple of days late. Uh, I apologize for that. I don't ever like to have the podcast out late because I enjoy the the routine and the rhythm of it. And getting it out to the deadline every Wednesday is part and parcel. I am still on tour at the moment around the US. I'm recording this from my dressing room in Clinton Township in Michigan. It is very, very cold outside in the February air and... Uh, so, time naturally, we travel on tour buses. We're on tour with the world of musicals again, and it's great. But uh, your time is very precious on it, and there isn't as much moments of privacy to record. Um, but it means you got to get creative about it. Like the last episode I recorded in the orchestra pit of the theater we were playing in in Mississippi, um, but now I've Found the the appropriate private space in this dressing room here, um, and I've been recording it. It's yes, there's been quite a lot. I won't go into it too much. There's been quite a lot going on personally as well. Um, my head hasn't been in the the best place, um, but it's really nice to be back. Uh, doing this thing that I love so much and that people respond to. So I'm delighted to be back recording with you today and to be getting the podcast said again. And I do hope now in the next couple of weeks we can get back to the format of it and get back to having things come out out on time and also get back ahead of myself because I always like to stay a few episodes ahead, if at all possible. Um, But the story for this week is another Rav a pre-tale to the cattle raid of Cooley this is actually a tale that is, was at least paired often with the cattle raid of Regamon which was the last myth that we did two weeks ago um, before Bewitched Butter and before Persephone and the Chariot and so this the adventures of Nera Octra Nera, or the cattle raid of the cattle raid of Angin and you will see who Angen is very soon. Uh, this is a companion piece, and this is actually a tale more appropriate for Halloween. It is a tale of sound. and had I come across it, as I really only discovered most of these stories in the last few months, if I had discovered it at a more appropriate time, I would have done it as a sound tale. But we're doing these together at the moment. We're, I'm I'm trying to get through all of these ravescale, all these pre-tales to the Cattle Raid of Cooley to form its own kind of little mini cycle. And ultimately, like any Irish myth, it's appropriate for any time of the year, especially for me right now where it's still very cold and very wintry. But uh, the Halloween is the setting, and Halloween is always a wonderful setting for a myth, a folktale, a ghost story. And we will, of course, chat much more afterwards, but this is Nera's Adventure on Fireside. <laughs> Nera's Adventure It was Halloween night, the Celtic feast of Samhain the one night of the year where the dead may walk amongst the living. King Alil and Queen Maeve were hosting a feast at Cruachan Fort in Connacht. The night before, two criminals had been hanged, and their bodies still lay in the gallows, slowly swinging by the neck in the chill of early winter. Alil was concerned that the corpses of these two men may come back to life, given that they had been hanged on the eve of Samhain. So the king of Connacht made a proposal to his attended guests. Whomever of you that goes out and ties a wicker band around the ankles of the two dead men who hang in the gallows will be greatly rewarded. The hero who protects Cruachan from the dead will receive a gold-hilted sword." Many Connacht warriors were eager to accept this challenge, but having gone out alone into the night air, had soon rushed back inside, having got too scared and not completed the deed of the dead. It was Nira, a brave young warrior, who quietly sat at the back of the banquet hall. When it seemed like there would be no more volunteers to go out, Nera donned his armor and went out to face the night and face the dead. Nera arrived at the gallows to the dreaded sight of the two hanging men. The warrior set to work tying up the cold and stiff ankles of the corpses. When he nearly had one knot fastened, the eyes of one of the dead opened and said,
1: If you want to totally immobilize me, You'd want to use a stronger bind than wicker. You'll need to fasten a bolt of iron. It
0: was hard for the man to talk, both being dead and his neck being in a noose. So Nera did just that. It took longer to source the iron and fasten the bolt between the ankles of the hanged men. But the courage in Nera's heart warmed him, and he remained focused on the task. When it was completed, the dead man spoke again.
1: Well done, Nera. Truly you are the bravest of the warriors of Connacht. But I wonder, are you kind too? I have a request. I wish to taste water one last time. Carry me to the nearest home and let me drink with you.
0: Nera did not see anything strange in this request from a dead man, so the hero took the body down from the gallows and carried the hanged man on his back. The first home they came to had a lake of fire burning around the homestead.
1: We are not welcome there,
0: said the dead man. Take me to the next house.
1: The following fort had a lake of water around it. There is nothing for us there, Nera said the corpse. There is no drinking water, bathing water, or even a slop pail left there.
0: But the third home seemed to be up to the hanged man's surprisingly high standards. Nera carried him inside, and the corpse drank from a jug of drinking water, but also from a cold, murky bath, and from the rancid contents of the slop pail. The residents of the home had let the two strange travellers inside and before leaving the hanged man spat water all over them and each of the residents of the fort died instantly. Since then it has always been seen as bad luck to leave out drinking, bathing or slop water after everyone has gone to bed. "'What did you do?' cried the horrified Nira. "'Well, I
1: was hanged for a reason.'
0: "'said the dead man.
1: "'I just wanted to go out with one final splutter.'
0: "'Nera carried the hanged man back to the gallows "'and left him in the noose once more. "'But upon returning to Cruaon Fort, "'Nera witnessed a far more horrifying sight. "'The entire dun was on fire. "'The seat of power in Connacht and home of Alil and Maeve "'was burning to the ground.' And worse, Nera could see the entire field was filled with the severed heads of all the comic warriors he had been dining with mere hours ago, but Nera could see movement in the distance. he presumed it to be the villains who had committed this dreadful act, so Nera gave chase, and the hero was led deep into the ground beneath the hill of Krohan and Nera realized that the world the perpetrators, was the world of the she, the other folk, the fairies. The severed heads of the Connacht warriors were being presented to the king of the she. One said, and what are we to do with this living mortal that has invaded our lands? Suddenly the entire assembly of other folk became aware of Nira's presence. The king spoke, "'You must be very brave indeed to enter our world, "'on this night of all nights. "'You are welcome here, Nira. "'Please accept our hospitality.' "'Nira was ushered to the presence of a woman of the Shi. "'Who sent you?' she asked. "'I was sent by your king,' said Nira. "'Well, if you were accepted by the king,' then you may also be accepted into my bed. Nera and the fairy woman soon fell in love and were married in secret, but the events of the burning of Kruohan haunted the hero. What is the matter, my love? his new bride asked him. I still cannot forget the sight of the burning of Kruohan and the deaths of all those brave warriors of Connacht. That did not happen, she told him, but it will. You have received a vision of what may take place if you do not act. The she will destroy Alil and Maeve by next Halloween unless Alil and Maeve destroy the she. You must tell them what you have seen here. How will they believe me? "'Bring them summer fruits that could only come from our world in the dead of winter. "'But you must also return to me, Nera. "'I am pregnant, and together we will have a son.' "'So Nera left his wife and the world of the she and returned to Kruahon, "'only to find the fort exactly as it had been before any of this dreadful business.' There were no severed heads, and the only thing on fire was the burning hearts inside the walls. Though it had been several months for Nira, Alil and Maeve welcomed him back as if he had left only an hour ago. Welcome back, Nira. Did you bind the ankles of the dead men? I did indeed. And after he had been presented with his prize of the gold-hilted sword, the hero went on to tell his king and queen of what would come to pass. So either you go to war with the she, or you will be destroyed by them by next south. Alil and Maeve were baffled by this tale, even with Nera's presentation of the fruits of the she. But strange things would occur over the course of that following year. Fergus MacRoch and his exiled band of 3,000 Ulstermen came to take refuge in Crohan. Nera would return to the she to his wife and to meet his son, Angan. Angen had been gifted a calf by his mother, because of course cattle were power, cattle were wealth. But then the Morrigan got involved. The Morrigan the goddess of war, battle, and death. The Morrigan thrives on chaos and confusion, and she works in elaborate ways. The Morrigan stole the cow of Nera's son and brought her to Ulster, where she was bulled by Don the brown bull of Cooley, the very bull that was about to have an entire long and bloody war fought on its behalf. By the brown bull of Cooley, the cow of Angin gave birth to a bull-calf. That bull-calf was brought back to Connacht, where it bellowed three times so that all in Fort heard. The bull-calf was calling out to Finvanach, the white-horned bull of Connacht, the prized possession of King Alil and the only rival to Duncoolna. Finvanach and the bull-calf of Cooley began to charge at one another. Although Finvannock was the much older and bigger bull, the calf of Cooley was ferocious and fought with the will of the Morrigan. Only after three charges was Finvannock able to bring the bull calf down. When Alil and Maeve witnessed what had happened, only then did they truly believe Nera's story. And now, with the collected host of Connacht warriors and the exiled sons of Ulster, Alil and Maeve marched to war with the Shee. But what about Nera himself? Nera found himself in an incredibly difficult position. He was a born and raised proud warrior of Connacht, but now he had a wife and son of the Shee. Although he had told Alil and Mave that they needed to defeat the other folk or be destroyed themselves, Nera could ultimately not take up arms against the people of his son. The she were destroyed by the armies of Alil, Mave, and Fergus, in a skirmish that served as the warm-up for the cattle raid of Cooley. But Nera remained in the hill beneath Cruachan, with his wife, son and newly adopted people. He did not fight in the war, and he did not return, and will not return, to the world of mortal men, until the doom of mankind. To be continued. Are you interested in the world of the strange? Do you find yourself becoming obsessed with true crime and unsolved mysteries? Do you look to the night sky hoping to see something that you can't explain? I'm Dennis Murphy, host of Something Strange, a bi-monthly podcast about tales of the weird and the unexplained. Get something strange wherever you get your podcasts with additional bonus content for subscribers on headstuffpodcasts.com. Something strange out now on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there we have Nira's adventure on Fireside, and I hope you all enjoyed it. There's a wonderful, wonderful opening and wonderful atmosphere and premise to this tale with this very folklorific concept of two hanged men on Halloween night, having two dead men exposed on a night where the dead may come back to life. And the idea of this great feast and this challenge put forth to all of the warriors reminds me very much of Brick Feast, for those who have listened a long time and might remember that from the end of the first year of this podcast, Um, also known as the... It's an Irish equivalent of Gawain and the Green Knight, for anyone who knows either that story or the recent movie that they made of it a couple of years ago. But so all of these warriors are given this challenge to go out and to defeat or to bind the ankles of these two dead men so that they may not get up to any mischief post-death. And so many go out and many return, everyone too scared, can't go out into the night, can't go out into sound, can't go out and face the dead. And fair play to them, you know, no judgment here. But then we have what's wonderful again about these rave scale or these pre-tales is that we meet many of the characters that either only pop up in a very minor way in the Candle Raid of Cooley or don't at all. And so we get like essentially a Star Wars Rogue One kind of aspect of warriors that... ...have to be explained away as to why they didn't fight in the cattle raid of Cooley, if they did not. And so Nira is our hero this time, and Nira is brave, he goes out in his armour... ...and he binds the dead man. But then of course the dead man comes to life, and he has this request... ...that he wants to drink water one last time. And so getting the better of, of um, Nira's generous spirit, Nira carries the dead man to these three homes... And we get this incredibly dark bit of genuine folklore, um, which I hadn't come across before, but is, uh, is one of those wonderful things that you can just imagine being told to explain something away. And the case in this is to never leave water out in your home after everyone's gone to bed. So don't leave any bath water, don't leave any drinking water, don't even leave anything in the slop bucket. You know, because you run the risk, which is a very rational and real risk, that the soul, the body of a dead man will come in and drink your water and spit the water back on your face and you will all die. And so, the wonderfully elaborate and dark concept of that. Um, is where we get this bit of lore then as the that's a reason why you shouldn't. That's the superstition why you shouldn't leave water out. So, of course, Bikaru is is horrified by this, or, sorry, Nira is horrified by this. And this gets me on to what was the main challenge for me in in adapting this story, because the latter half of the story gets a bit more, it's harder to pinpoint exactly what's going on or who, who we're actually with. And part of the challenge of it is there's a thing Philip Pullman said in his book on Grim Fairy Tales where he said that in folk tales it could be argued that the characters are not even conscious. It's almost like they're two-dimensional like they're little um, like shadow puppets. And they don't really have wants and needs, and that's not a part of the storytelling tradition from that long ago. The idea of the want and the need is a very contemporary idea we have from through literature and through cinema now, cinema and TV. But in these tales from like hundreds to sometimes thousands of years ago, people aren't asked what they want and what they need very often. And so that can be a challenge, you know, coming from that contemporary mindset that we have. And so where it was fun is because that's where then I kind of got to make, uh, this is where I get to make the stories my own because it was just bothering me. Nero was bothering me with his actions in the latter half of the story. So he goes, he sees Kruhan burnt to the ground and all the severed heads and everyone's dead. And he follows the she into their home and is presented with the king of the she who's like, yeah, we just killed all your people, but, you know, you made it in here alive, so you're more than welcome. So here, marry this marry this very woman, you know, who regrettably is not given a name in this, in this context. Um, and he marries her, falls in love with her, spends all this time with her, she becomes pregnant, and then he's like, but I'm still, you know, it's still bothering me that uh, all my people are dead, and it's revealed that this was a vision. And so... Nero makes the choice then, and that's where he got the want and the need. Is like he wanted or needed to stay with his new family, with his wife and his child on the way, but he feels he owes it to the people of Connacht to go back and tell them, you're going to get everything burned down and you're all going to die. And so he does, and I kind of added just to give it a little bit more stakes that Alan and Maeve kind of weren't buying it before, and then we get a cameo from the greatest of all we get a cameo from the morrigan and it's always it's like greeting death as an old friend when the morrigan comes into these tales because she is just chaotic and dramatic and wonderful and dark and so she has this elaborate plan of this calf again because these are ravishka these are all Thornbows, these are all cattle raid stories there's got to be cattle in all of them and she goes the morrigan takes this cow that is gifted to Angin who is near his son and she takes it and she gives it to the brown bull of Cooley and the brown bull of Cooley has a bull calf by Angin's cow and then this cow was brought back and in a, because the brown bull of Cooley and Finn Vanok were the two fairy swine herds who took the form of Dragons and wolves and monsters, and eventually turned into maggots and were swallowed in water by the parents of the Brown Bull of Cooley and Finn Vannock. And so, Don Kulna and Finn Vanok are destined to fight each other. And it is the great climax of the Cattle Raid of Cooley when these two bulls that this war is fought over finally meet each other. And it's wonderful that we get here where we get Don Kulna's son going to fight against Finn Vanek, against his father's big rival, way before this final battle. And this is before the war even starts, you know. And what I like about it is it just increases the, the world of it and the drama and the stakes of it. And I then I wanted to leave that as, like, that this bizarre occurrence of this bull calf showing up and attacking Finn Vannock for seemingly no reason, that this is what makes Alil and Maeve go, okay, something, something bigger is going on here. And so that is why they go and they march in the War with the She. And this War with the She is, is, like, it's given even less context in the version I adapted this from, which I will put in the link description below. Uh, a lot of these I have had to go to for quite older sources because there aren't as many contemporary versions of them. Um, and it just says they go and they defeat. But again, it brings it back to Nera. <coughs> it doesn't actually say, excuse me, it doesn't actually say in the version I adapted it from whether Nera fights or not. And again, it just brings back to the want or the need. It It was a nice opportunity to give him a bit of agency in his own story. The idea that he has told Alil and Maeve that they do have to defeat the Shi or face destruction themselves, but that he would ultimately not be able to fight in it himself. Because it doesn't say whether he does or not. All it says is that they are destroyed, but that Nira stays with them. So their destruction does not necessarily mean all of their deaths. So there is still the Shi in the hills. And we have Nira's very, very good logical reason for not wanting to fight a war with Ali and Maeve then, because he cannot on behalf of his wife and his son and his newly adopted people. So yeah, it's a shorter, again, these tales are quite compact, but there's so much in them, not just because they're filled with the grander story and the grander myth of which they are a part of, but just because it's such a dense World and it's a world that really rewards like further exploration. In you know, to be still discovering stories like this over four years into this podcast is incredible. And I hope that those who have listened for a long time that this will make you then like go back and re-listen to the Ulster Cycle episodes and all, and just to keep the big picture in there as we fill out, as I say, the the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology. And with that, I will wrap things up, but I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed the adventures of Nira. Um, We still have a few more of these Rave Scales to go, and I can't wait to explore more of them. There is... I started with one of the bigger ones, and there is a, a bigger one to finish as well. Um that we'll have I think but I should guess especially doing the folk tales and the world tales as well this should be carrying us through for a few months anyway which is great it's great to have that kind of focus and that drive and just knowing we're in one world for a while that's always my favorite way to to operate um but so um follow me over on instagram at fireside bard email me the thefiresidebard@gmail.com. buy tickets to my show a bard is a failed poet 21st and 22nd of February 6.45pm Smock Alley Theatre at the Seen and Heard Festival um, You get tickets to two shows for the price of one us and the Leadpipe Pige- Pigeon Brigade, which I'm very excited to be partnered with. See a work in progress and see what this show can be. Come along and support it. I'd be very, very grateful for any faces in the audience and any feedback afterwards. Um, You can buy Garden Sea in paperback or Kindle. All of the links are in the description below, as is the link to support the podcast on Headstuff Plus. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. when We'll have another Irish folktale. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside.